Iowa Theme Park Podcast number two. Adventures Lands, Zach Snacks. It's time for the Iowa Theme Park Podcast with your hosts, Nick McMahon and Jack Salisbury. In this episode, our special guest is Adventureland's rides director and TikTok star, Zach Snacks. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the Iowa Theme Park Podcast. I'm Nick McMahon. And I'm Jack Salisbury. Joining us today is a very special guest from Adventureland Park. Hey, what's up? This is Zach from Zach Snacks. All right. We have a few questions for you today, Zach. I'll start with the first couple questions. What is your favorite ride at Adventureland? Sure. And thanks for uh, having me on today. Uh, so as the rides director, I kind of uh, have uh, different rides on kind of both sides of the coin that, that are my favorites, both to run and to ride. And uh, I'll start with uh, what my favorite one is to run. If you would have asked me a year ago, I would have said the Skywheel was my uh, favorite one to uh, operate because uh, the operator really has to uh, balance the ride or used to have to do that. And uh, for some of our ride operators, that used to be a pretty intimidating job because if you uh, didn't get it quite right, it would uh, squeal and make some horrible noises and, you know, people on the ride would wonder what's going on. After the derecho and when we updated the uh, gondolas, we also put in a, a uh, new control system that does all that work uh, for the operator. Now that we have that new system in place, I'm not as uh, fond of the wheel because it's just not as challenging. It kind of does all the thinking for you. So now my new favorite ride to operate is probably the Tornado. Uh, so as you guys are probably aware, it has, uh, and in fact, every single run of that ride is going to be completely different. How fast it comes in on those brakes can really be affected, of course, by the, the load on the ride, but also by the weather, the wind, how hot or cold it is. Occasionally, we may have to go out and uh, tighten up the brakes, uh, which our maintenance director loves it when I tell him that I think that uh, that needs to be done because that's a little bit of a, a chore to get that just right. But uh, it's a little bit of a challenge, and I kind of like uh, operating rides that have that uh, that challenging aspect to it. But uh, really, all the rides I, I enjoy on some level operating. But probably the Tornado right now is my uh, favorite to go out and run for a little bit. As far as to ride, uh, I definitely would say the the Monster. It's definitely our uh, strongest roller coaster, in my opinion. However, if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have uh, probably said the Falling Star. So I was a little bummed when it uh, had to be retired, but uh, it is what it is. That is really cool to kind of learn about the aspect of how the brakes operate on the Tornado. Because as a guest yeah. who's ridden it many, many times, I can say that everybody that ever operates it operates it very well and very smoothly. So you would mm -hmm. never even know as a guest, all of that things happening about the ride. Yeah. And in fact, uh, there's only a handful of operators that actually know how to run the tornado just because of the, the time it takes to train on it. It definitely takes a lot longer to train somebody on that ride than it does on other rides, just because of that, uh, the manual aspect and the fact that it just has so much variation. We really have to spend a lot of time with our operators on that ride. So there may only be, you know, seven or eight employees in our whole department that actually know how to operate that. Uh, we can't talk to you about just rides. We got to talk about food, right? Um, of course. What's your favorite food item? My favorite food item is probably the Sriracha chicken cone at the Chicken Shack. Okay. Uh, I kind of like something that has a little bit of a kick to it. And a, that Sriracha sauce, it's definitely got a little bit of spice to it. 
uh, they usually put, I think, like some syrup on it too, and it's in like a cone bowl. So it kind of has a, a unique complexion when it's all put together. Probably second place, I'd say I'm pretty partial to the Sam Saloon, the kind of uh, fried fish they have there, fish sandwich. Uh, that's pretty good as well. And uh, flipping over to the employee side, you know, something that you may not know is that there's actually a uh, a stand that's specific for employees called the commissary that uh, all of our employees can eat at when they're on break. And every day they have a special in there. And my personal favorite special, and I get really excited when they have it, is uh, the chicken tiki masala, which is uh, an Indian dish that you probably won't ever see sold out in the park. Probably wouldn't sell very well in an amusement park setting, but uh, it's one of my favorites when they have it. They try to give us a little bit of variety uh, so that way, you know, we're not eating the same thing every day. And they, they usually do a pretty good job of uh, giving us some, some good options in there. That sounds great. Sounds really great. You might have yeah. to give that a try on TikTok sometime for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Review the, uh, the, the commissary food. Well, maybe. The fish and chips are by far my favorite at the park. The, you get Dave's sauce on there and it's just perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That stuff's really good. I love that sauce, too. How long have you worked at Adventureland? Um, so I started in May of 2009. So I'm coming up on 13 and a half years now. Wow. How did you get to your current position of rides director? What steps did you take or whatever? When I started, I was just uh, a ride operator like you would encounter at, at any of our rides if you were to, to come to the park when we're open. And I did that for a couple of years. And after two, or two, two and a half years mm -hmm. of that, they asked if I wanted to become what then was called a team captain. Uh, we now call them assistant managers, but in the rides department, they go out and they basically make sure that all of our ride operators and assistants are, you know, have everything they need and are ready to go each day. So they might, they do a lot of our on-ride training for us. They'll give like restroom breaks or make sure that they have plenty of water, kind of do general supervision. And I did that for, I want to say, probably three or four years. So that would have been mostly while I was in college. And around the time that I graduated from college, uh, they asked if I wanted to become a rides manager, which uh, our rides managers do a lot of the same things as the, the rides assistant managers. Uh, but they also uh, handle a little bit more of the scheduling and do a little bit more of the guest interaction when there is an issue at a ride. And I did that for another four or five years, I want to say. I actually graduated with an education degree and was a high school history teacher for four years. And so during the uh, school year, I'd teach. And then during the summer, I'd come out and uh, do the rise manager job. And then in the summer of 2019, they asked if I would be interested in uh, coming on full time. Uh, there was a retirement kind of higher up in the food chain in the company that uh, was going to kind of trigger kind of a domino effect of uh, some changes they'd have to make. So uh, decided to seize that opportunity and have it look back. Great. All right. So what are the, some of the challenges, uh, like as a rides director that you run into, you know, like what makes the job, you yeah. know? Um, there definitely are a lot of challenges to it. Obviously, probably the biggest challenge we've had in the last uh, couple of years has been our staffing. And in the RISE department, we have a very fixed number of employees that we have to have to be able to safely operate all the rides. And whereas other departments, they might be able to expand and contract based on how many employees they have. It's a very set in stone number for us. 
Uh, and if we fall below that number, we have to consider either closing a ride or trying to pull people from other departments. And so staffing has really become a, a big deal, uh, especially with COVID and kind of the effects that that's had on the job market. Um, that's become an increasing uh, challenge uh, in my, my role. Another challenge is the size of the park and the size of our department as well. The rides department is not necessarily the biggest department in the park, but it's one of the bigger ones. And so, you know, ideally we'd like to have 200, 220 employees and trying to kind of keep track of who all those employees are is uh, very challenging. You know, you have to know when they can be scheduled to work, kind of have to know some of what their strengths and weaknesses are because you want to try and match what job you put them at with what those strengths and weaknesses are, what their preferences are. For example, some of our uh, operators and assistants really prefer kiddie rides. And so we try to put those people at the kiddie rides because that's what they, they want to do. Some people want nothing to do with uh, kiddie rides. And so just being able to know enough about each individual uh, person that is part of the rides department with the size of it and the scope of it can be uh, uh, very challenging. But also with the size of the park, uh, being able to manage all of these operators and assistants and make sure that, that they're doing the job correctly is very challenging, not just because of the number, but also geography. I mean, these people are spread out you know, all over the park. And so that's, that's a real challenge. Even just locating someone can be a challenge. You know, we might, we might know that they're working at the outlaw, but if we send somebody up there to, to go find them, they might not actually be there. They might be on break or something. So even something just as trivial as trying to find somebody can be uh, a challenge. Luckily, I have uh, about uh, 14 or 15 managers and assistant managers that kind of are my eyes and ears. And so I really rely heavily on them to kind of help me to get around that, that size and scope issue. And they, they do a great job of kind of helping me to be able to make sure that, that things are being done uh, correctly. Okay. Um, another challenge, uh, especially, I think, uh, relevant to this year is the growth of the park and the growth of the number of rides we have. You know, with us adding nine new rides, that's nine rides that we've got to go through the manufacturer manuals and make sure that we have all the rider restrictions correct. That's nine rides that we've got to actually learn how to operate the ride and then train the people on it. That's nine rides we got to write operating manuals for and training checklists. Uh, so, you know, those are some of the, the big challenges I'd say. And I think a final challenge I have is just trying to stay on top of what other parks are doing and kind of the, the ride operations world. Of course, in our industry, we're pretty geographically isolated from a lot of other parks. So while I would like to know maybe how, uh, you know, Six Flags Great America handles certain operational issues like, you know, height issues or size issues or amputees and prosthetic policies, um, it's really hard to do that just because they're so far away. And when they're open, we're also open. So yeah. those are some of the challenges that I think that, that I face. But all in all, you know, it's, it's a very rewarding job. One of my favorite things to do is, is to go out and give an employee a 30 minute break and just kind of people watch and watch the people having fun uh, on the ride. So in spite of all the challenges, it's still very rewarding. It's one of our favorite things to do at the park too, is people watch. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> definitely, definitely fun. Yeah. Do you ever have like a foods worker or something working on rides? If 
like there's staffing issues do you have people kind of mingle within departments yeah um it's actually pretty common for us to pull somebody from a different department it's not very common for us to send somebody from rides to a different department just because we almost always are are trying to get more people but uh, it is common for us to pull uh, from foods we do sometimes pull people from the hotel you know, we pull from basically wherever somebody's got an extra uh, extra person. Uh, we'll try to to find a job that that fits them. Yeah. So, uh, working for the park, what are some decisions that you've had a hand in making that people can see in the park? Yeah. Um, I think a common question I get is, well, do you get to actually choose what rides we get? Uh, the answer to that is, I I don't necessarily, but they they do ask me, you know, what rides I think would fit really well. Uh, so I do offer a little bit of insight from my vantage point of uh, what I think would work or what maybe might not work uh, from my perspective. But a lot of those decisions are kind of made in uh, the upper part of our uh, management structure. But a lot of the stuff that, that you would see, uh, pretty much any of our operational procedures and policies that our ride operators are doing, you know, how they do the job is something that you would uh, probably be able to see, the different hand signals they use. Uh, you know, height policies and how they go about that. Anything as far as if you have an interaction with with the ride operator or ride assistant, probably I've had a hand in kind of deciding how we uh, how we go about uh, enforcing those policies or implementing them. When and how did you decide to become the face of Adventureland on TikTok? Like what what got started with that? I mean, it's kind of it's a lot of us follow follow TikTok, you know, and we like seeing the updates and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, was it your idea? <laughs> Did you just get thrown into wolves? <laughs> um, so the TikTok was actually something that was created by uh, an intern. So we, every summer, will uh, hire a number of interns. A lot of them tend to work in food and beverage area. And one from the food and beverage happened to be a TikTok influencer. And so she kind of spearheaded creating it. And as a park, our marketing department felt like this might be a good opportunity for us to maybe uh, try to target more of the younger crowd and do a little bit of direct marketing to them. And at the time, her best friend, who was a graphic design intern that actually worked for me, also was working here. And so the two of them kind of collaborated at first on a lot of the TikToks. Eventually, it got kind of punted over to, to my intern. And basically, she would periodically sit down with our marketing director, and they would kind of craft what they wanted to see each week. And at one point, they wanted to feature some of the park food. And I kind of being a little bit maybe opportunistic, thought, well, if I if I do a review, then I not only, you know, I could also get, you know, the, the food for free and basically be able to have a little bit of a snack myself. So we did it, and that was really about the only reason why I volunteered for it was I wanted I wanted the mini donuts, and uh, after after doing that, um, evidently I did a good enough job that they they decided they wanted to continue it, and so through some discussion, I think we we all kind of decided that uh, calling the calling it a series of Zach snacks was was what we were going to do, and kind of the popularity I think for whatever reason just kind of took off from there. Yeah, we enjoy watching the updates. And uh, if, if I had to provide any advice, I'd say uh, you got to get Matt to ride some more rides, though. 
I don't see them ride rides that yeah, often. Yeah, we're we're working on that. We're working on that. We'll we'll have a whole bunch of new rides for him to ride this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, kind of shifting gears from that. Uh, who is somebody that you look up to in the industry? Sure. Um, I'd say I have a couple people. Uh, one of them is uh, actually my kind of direct supervisor, Brandon. Uh, he used to be the rides director until I kind of took over. He's now our facilities director, but uh, he's pretty much, uh, I think, taught me everything I know, either directly or indirectly, uh, from having worked under him as just kind of a ride, ride operator, or rides manager. Uh, but he's done a good job of kind of helping me to transition into the role as the rides director. Uh, he's kind of the person I'll go to to bounce ideas off of as far as what what kinds of things we might look to do in the department. So uh, I definitely look up to him in that way. And I, I think I learn a lot from him. He has a lot more insight, I guess, into the maintenance side and not only ride maintenance, but park maintenance as well, which is uh, those are kind of areas that I might not have as much uh, depth knowledge on. And so I always feel like I can learn something from him on that. Another person that I would say I look up to, uh, there's a guy in the industry called Matt, his name is Matt Heller. He, I think now is like a consultant, but he used to be kind of a rides operations director at a number of amusement parks, including Universal Orlando. And uh, he wrote a book called The Myth of Employee Burnout, uh, which is uh, a book that I kind of refer to and kind of use as kind of my, the backbone of what my management uh, strategy is. So him having worked in the industry, he knows kind of the challenges of the seasonality of everything. And so he does a good job of kind of uh, breaking things down into what are the most important things that, that someone like me can do uh, to kind of support my department and support my managers and uh, try to be as effective as possible. And so um, I've had the opportunity to also listen to him speak at a conference once. And, and I, he, he's very good at just kind of breaking things down into to simple topics and uh, getting the point across. And that's kind of the, the approach that I kind of try to take as well with, uh, with my employees. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what is the normal procedure for when a ride breaks down during an operational day? And what is usually the common cause for ride not opening for the day? Obviously, we know maybe mechanical issues, things like that, but mm -hmm. also sometimes staffing issues, I would assume. Uh, can you mm -hmm. share a little insight on that? Sure. So uh, what normally happens is as an operator will maybe notice something's not quite right, or they want somebody to come check something out, or maybe the ride just flat out won't start. And so what our ride operators will do is, is they'll call our park operator and uh, tell the park operator what's going on. And then it kind of turns into a little game of telephone. So the, uh, the park operator will either get in touch with Brandon, our facilities director, or if he's not there with me and will tell us what's going on. And uh, one of the two of us will kind of decide who's the most uh, effective to send to, to where whatever ride is having an issue. So if it's something that's rather simple or probably more of a, an operator error, uh, we'll tend to send a, a rise manager there to kind of look at it. Uh, so some common things that, that might cause an issue is some of our rides have a very specific uh, procedure on what order of the buttons you're supposed to push first or second or third, and if you get it out of sequence, it, it basically locks up or 
Uh, you know, they may have pushed the stop button and on some of the rides, you actually have to pull the stop button back up. And so they may have forgotten that, hey, I need to pull the stop button back out. So those are the kinds of things that our managers might go and kind of uh, assess and might be able to fix really quick uh, without us having to send a maintenance technician. If it is something that sounds like it's gonna require a maintenance technician, we'll just uh, contact the maintenance director and tell them what's going on. Uh, they'll send out a maintenance tech and they'll assess what's going on and make whatever corrective action might be needed and then uh, after kind of testing the ride once or twice, they'll turn it back over to, to our ride operator. Some common things that uh, we kind of encounter on the maintenance side, obviously just various uh, things might, might just kind of start to wear out. And so uh, they'll make those replacements or adjustments. Um, another thing that happens is, is parts maybe just slowly over time wear and get out of calibration. Uh, some, an example of that, on our steel coasters, something that is uh, important to making sure that the, the car goes around the track at the right speed is actually the gauge of the wheels. So that's how hard the, the wheels are pressing against the track or how much of a gap there is between the wheel and the track. Uh, and so if the gauge is set too tight, meaning the wheels are pushing too much on the track as it goes around, it might slow the car down. And if it's too loose, uh, then the, uh, the car might go around too fast. And uh, most of our ride computers will kind of tell us, hey, this car is going too slow or too fast and you might need to look at it. And occasionally um, we may even have to change like a wheel on one of the roller coasters if, uh, if it's worn too much or on particularly the Monster, uh, there's actually two sets of wheels. There's a warm weather wheel, which is a little bit uh, softer so it kind of slows it down as it gets warmer the car goes faster or there's a cold weather wheel that's a little bit harder so it kind of makes it so the car can go around faster when when maybe the weather is a little bit cooler like in the spring or the fall um, so those would be some of the kind of common things that they might look at you know um, like I said replacing seat belts or adjusting a sensor those are uh, probably 99 percent of the types of things that that they will do as far as a ride not operating for an entire day, I would say probably the most common thing that causes that is, is just parts availability. So uh, although we would like to have as many parts on hand as we possibly can, it's just not feasible to have every single part on hand. You know, for example, if a motor goes bad on a ride, it just may not be feasible for us to have a spare motor lying around. And so sometimes sourcing those parts can be a real challenge for us especially when a lot of our rides are made uh, abroad. So we have a number of rides from Italy, uh, a few rides from Germany and the Netherlands. Uh, so sourcing parts, especially with kind of the state of the supply chain can be a little bit uh, challenging right now as well. Sure. Understandable. So just kind of an add on to that question. What about rides that are down for an extended period of time? Like Sidewinder was down mm -hmm. for... I mean, a considerable amount of the season. Can you share any insight into why that was down? Yeah, I can't go into the specifics on that, but uh, it definitely fell partly into that parts availability. That ride happens to be made in Italy. So getting parts from Italy has been a little bit challenging on it. So I guess kind of the last question here already. Uh, what keeps mm -hmm. you busy in the off season? What do you sure. like just what's your day to day in the off season look like as opposed to the regular season? 
Sure. So the regular season is, of course, a lot busier. The off season is a little bit quieter. A lot of what I do is, is just kind of planning for next year, making sure our staffing plans are uh, ready to go for the next season, making sure our manuals and training checklists uh, are ready to go. Uh, something else that I kind of help out with is uh, with our printing and signage. Um, actually, we have somebody that kind of does that on a full-time basis, but I do help out with that in the off-season. So any of the menus you see in the park, uh, the safety signage on the rides, menus in the parking lot, all that, we actually have an on-site sign shop that uh, produces that. And so I help out a lot with that in the off-season as well. And then, of course, I try to get a little bit of vacation in and, and downtime when I can as well. But uh, that's kind of what my day-to-day -day looks like in the off-season. All right. Well, uh, I believe that's all we have for you today. I, again, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us. Um, fans, yeah, we definitely want to make sure that you check out our uh, Facebook page, uh, Adventureland Iowa Fans Unofficial. Uh, there's a contest we're currently running uh, for an exclusive tour of the park before the season opens. And so check out those details on the fan page. Um, and uh, anything for us at all, Zach or Jack? Uh, not that I can think of. Thanks. Thanks again for having me on, though. Well, thank you for joining us. This, I mean, kind of same thing that I told Mike, just spending so many of my summers at Adventureland. This is great to get to know the inner workings of how it works and then share this information with other people, too. It's yeah. definitely a gift. Thank you for tuning into the Iowa Theme Park Podcast. Be sure to follow Iowa Theme Park Enthusiasts on Facebook and YouTube for updates on future episodes about Iowa's theme parks. Comment and let us know what you would like to hear on future episodes.